Holy, holy. I, when I went to college in Wisconsin, uh, I didn't realize it, but most of you know this, if you know your geography, American geography, a lot of German, a lot of uh, uh, English, a lot of mainly German people settled, migrated in, uh, up to Wisconsin and so forth, and uh, uh, the college I went to was uh, a high church, Baptist church. It was a part of the leftover Northern Baptist Convention. I don't want to get too detailed, too deep, but we were all about high church music, and uh, I, I came from country. I came from country in uh, Ohio, and I got to this high church music like Holy, 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 and I, I really fell in love with it, and I got to, I got, that got to be my venue, of course, for years and years and years. And I say that in context, and I'm with all compliments, uh, Spike and Agnes, they're going to miss you guys so much. You had so much to our service, and, uh, and uh, I've come to, you know, there was a day 20 years ago, 20 number of years ago, where I was suspect of even having a guitar in a pulpit on Sunday morning. Sunday night was okay. Sunday morning, you know, but, you know, I've come to the point where I really thoroughly enjoy, I was just showing Spike and Agnes, uh, we were back in Ohio for a couple months back and uh, went Tuesday night to the Rock Creek uh, Secular restaurant. There's Pastor Bennett and about 11 other people playing with their banjos and guitars, and they do it every Tuesday night of the year for all year round, two, three hours straight. Uh, play country, country gospel and uh, some so-called uh, uh, you know secular songs. Of course, all beautiful stuff. Of course, and uh, uh, but uh, we really enjoyed enjoyed it. And the gospel kind of goes forth in those type of venues, of course. And and so anyhow, I, I appreciate that. Hey, on purpose, I couldn't tell you. Uh, Caleb wanted to know if I had a title for the message tonight. I did, and he wanted to put it in the bulletin this morning. I said, no, don't. Um, I tell you what, fellas, go ahead and pass those papers around. Everybody, uh, this is not a spectator sport tonight. Hey, look at that. The sun's trying to come out here finally today here. And all God's people said amen, amen to that. Uh, this is not a spectator sport. I want you all to participate tonight. Everybody's got to participate. You came to uh, receive something tonight. So everybody gets a piece of paper. If you don't have a pen... Uh, the usher's got pens. Everybody gets a piece of paper. Now, come on, no total participation. Everybody gets a blank sheet of paper. Kind of like our life, blank sheet of paper. <laughs> uh, everybody gets a blank sheet of paper. I'm not going to tell you where I'm going yet. I don't think anybody knows where I'm going, except for maybe Caleb. I guess Caleb, and that's about it. Now, I want you to, we can theoretically have a little bit of fun. But I don't want you to have as much fun as I want you to be serious about this. But when I tell you the first question or first thing I want you to do, you're going to start maybe to smile. You're going to say, no, Pastor, you're not going to really make us do this. Okay. You may want to shield your paper from your next-door neighbor, by the way. This is a very private paper. It's a beautiful, clean slate. Everybody get your paper? You're going to participate, right? Oh, hey, we, don't leave Bob and Kim out. They've got to get papers. Everybody get papers. Let me move forward here. Keep your hand up if you don't have a piece of paper or a pencil. Oh, plenty of people in the back there. Oh, go, 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 go in the back. Go, go get uh, some more paper. We, oh, boy, now I got to stall. Caleb, you know where the paper's at. Run back there and get the paper. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm stalling on purpose because I want everybody to start at the same time here. So everybody's got a piece of paper. Anybody not have a pen? You got to have a pen. Very important. Now, don't be a prude. Everybody needs to participate. And, but you may want to seriously hide your paper from your next-door neighbor, especially your spouse or your loved one. 
Okay, now we can spend the whole service doing this, but uh, we're going to try to do it in the next few minutes here and move on with the service here tonight. And you may want to start at the top and you may want to start fairly small because when I tell you why, why, what I, my first question is, it's going to lead to some other questions. Okay, question number one, are you ready? Now don't laugh. Okay, here goes. I'm being serious, but I got a smile on my face because you're going to say, preacher, here goes. Ready? How many times today did you sin? Now, I want you to think for a minute. Hold on. Think about it. Now, we know we're not near as bad as the Apostle Paul. He was the chief of sinners. Nobody could sin like he could sin, right? But I want you to think of what sins are. The thought of foolishness, Psalm says, is sin. Uh, if a man thinketh upon a woman in a lustful way, that's sin. Uh, there's a lot of different ways that we sin. This is Sunday. You say, preacher, I didn't sin today. It was a Sunday. <laughs> yeah, you're laughing already. Now, see, you probably don't want to. How many times did you sin today? Okay, come on. I want you a real number. I want you to write that number at the top of your paper. Okay? I want you to write very, probably, probably small, I want you to write that number, the number of times you sin today. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> now, the addendum to that first question, how many think you're probably being, selling yourself short? You probably sin more than you are wanting to admit. But just put your number down, okay? Now, We'll fast forward things a little bit here. I could ask you, how many times did you sin yesterday? But we'll multiply it by seven. How many times do you think you sinned in the last seven days since, last, since Easter Resurrection Sunday? I want you to put down a hard, hard number. Put down a number. Don't cheat. Now you say, I know where this is going. I quit. Don't you quit. Write down your number today. Below that, I want you to write down your number from the last seven days. You got a number down? I'm not moving forward until everybody participates. All right, it's the 28th of April. That means four weeks have gone by. So whatever your number is for the second number, I want you to triple that by three. So most, most of you can do multiplication, simple multiplication. You say, preacher, it's not so simple any longer. It's getting big numbers already. I want you to put down that next number, that triple number. Now that's, so whatever you put down for the last week, triple that. Now how many are saying to yourselves right now, you know, truth be told, I don't know, and I, I try to forget my sins and, and, uh, Probably more sins than I got the, the number I have down. You got your number down? All right, now, why don't you take that number and let's make it simple. This time set by that, that number that you just put down, I want you to time set by 12. Number since this year, or I know last, I say this year, this, we'll go proactively and pretend this is December 31st. How about that? So I want you to put down a number. Hopefully you're pretty good at math. Times that last number by 12. Okay, now here's where it gets uh, 
If you're 20 years old, I want you to times that number by, what do you think you should times it by? <laughs> well, how about just for safe, I say, do, do babies sin? Hey, you ask any mom that's got a baby at home and if, they, if babies sin. But uh, let's just make it simple. Let's time it. If you're 20 years old, times it by 20. If you're 40 years old, times it by 40. If you're 60 years old, times it by 60. Now we're getting tough. Well, I'm going back. I'm going back from, from if, if, you're, if you're 60 years old from right now, I want you to times that by 60. I got a couple more questions. Hang on. I know we got to have geometry and algebra at this point here, but uh, <laughs> you take your age and times it the, by that number. Now we're extrapolating. How many more years do you think you're going to live? Take whatever number that is. If you're a young person, I'm looking at Esther. She's 20. How old are you, Esther? 20, 23. Man, you, and you live well. You're probably going to live a long time, maybe, probably. I would say that you're going to live to, you got good genes in you. I bet you're going to live to at least 90 with modern medicine. You're probably going to live to 95. So I want you to figure that out. To subtract 23, 95 from, or 23 from 95 and figure out how many years that is and multiply that by what number you have. And I want you to put down your numbers. Now, I'm still not done. Hold on. Well, just insertion here. Does anybody, does anybody want to divulge the number that you have right now? Anybody want to divulge that number? Anybody at all? Nobody? I don't have one volunteer? Tim, what's your number? In excess of 50,000, you are a wicked sinner. <laughs> That's it? Anybody want to go another number? Linda? 482,790. Now, I'm not done with questions here. I got one more question. Actually, I got about 18 more, but I'm going to do one more. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Give me the number, Cecile. She's trying to compete with the Apostle Paul is what she's trying to do. <laughs> because of your age. All right, now, okay, I tell you what. I got one more question for you. It's not so funny. I want you to write down the most despicable sin that you've ever committed. Don't do it! I was just joking. I want you to write down, don't do it, I'm kidding. The sin that if the next door neighbor found out that you committed. I get real serious, we've been having a fun time here for the last couple minutes. Would you be ashamed if I'm sorry I've forced you to remember, remember a sin that you've committed or sins that you've committed that nobody knows about but you and God? What if you had to write that down? All right, now let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 130, please, to begin with tonight. I want, you to, I want you to write that number down at the bottom of your page. I got one more thing I want you to write on your sheet. So on the one side of the page, you just wrote on one side. I told you that, right? Didn't I tell you that? I don't know if I told you that. The other side's still blank. Okay? 
You got your number? All right, let's read the Bible here first. And I'm going to let you remain seated. I want you to concentrate here. More, more, more class time than preaching time tonight, I suppose. Psalm 130, verse number 1, we'll start with. Out of the depths have I cried unto thee, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let thine ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Verse 3. If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities... Can you finish the verse with me? O Lord, who should stand? Or who shall stand? If thou, Lord, shouldst mark iniquities, O Lord, who should stand? Hebrews 2, and we don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 2, 2 and 3, for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense and reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? I've said it many times. The only reason why every driver in this room has a driver's license is because around every corner that you sped around, there wasn't a cop around the corner. None of us have licenses. We're all guilty. We really have licenses. If you have a driver's license, you have it still by grace. It's not that you never speed, never run a red light or what have you, or turn a corner wrong or whatever. It's just that you haven't been caught. What if God made you pay for every one of those sins on your piece of paper. Now, let's finish your verses here. Verse, Psalm 130, verse number four, 4. Let's read that together. Psalm 130, verse 4. Ready? Here we go. Ready? But there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Oh, what a great psalm. There is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Psalm 130, for time's sake here, I've already chewed up more time than I was planning on chewing up. Verse 8, look what it says, last verse of the, the short psalm. And he shall redeem Israel from how many of his iniquities? All his iniquities. How many sins? You got your numbers, you got your number of sins on page, the first front page. Turn your page over, you got a blank sheet. How many sins of yours does the Lord choose to remember? None of them. He chooses, to forget, he chooses to forget them all. Micah 7, 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And he will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Jeremiah 31, 34. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. If we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to deal, here's his title message tonight. Here, say, preacher, it took 15 minutes to get there. That's okay. What about forgiveness? What about forgiving? How many would agree with me, and I'm not setting you up, I'm, how many would agree with you that forgiveness is a good thing? Say Amen. Aren't you glad you've been forgiven? And all those sins that you still have not committed that you're going to commit tomorrow and next week and next month and this year and the next decade and the next score of years if you live and the next 50 or 60 years if you're, uh, you're uh, uh, Esther or Rebecca or a 20-something-year-old. All those sins. He remembers your sins. He remembers your sins no more. 
my sin. Or the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. We're talking about what about forgiving tonight? Well, we could talk about, we heard it in our men's prayer time yesterday morning, one of our gentlemen said, we have the ability, we can choose to forgive. Aren't you glad we can choose to forgive? And all God's people said, Amen. I mentioned a couple weeks ago on Palm Sunday that forgiveness is at the very core of the gospel. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now I want you to take your Bibles and this is actually the text of our, our night tonight. Matthew chapter 6, turn there please. You got a high number. Some of you got a number into the millions on one page. And on the other side of the page, you got a big, fat nothing, not a zero. Because that's how much God's forgiven you, forgiven you for, or that's how many sins he remembers. He casts all of our sins behind his back, removes them as far as the east as from the west, casts them in the depths of the deepest sea, never to be remembered again. He chooses to forgive, he chooses to forget. Now, he doesn't forget, but he, he knows everything. But he chooses to forget. But he forgives by his blood. The Bible says in Ephesians, I ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Ephesians 4, 32, I memorized this verse many, many, many years ago. I would encourage every Christian to memorize this verse. If you can quote it with me, try to quote it with me. It says this, but be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Now that you know it, quote it with me. Ready? But be ye kind, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven us. Tonight, who, will you not, who have you not forgiven? No? Wrong question. Who will you not forgive? Who is it? Do you know how to pray? The disciples didn't know how to pray, and so Jesus, Matthew chapter 6, I'd like to start in verse 1, but for time's sake here, we'll skip up to verse 5. Jesus is giving a dissertation on prayer. And when thou prayest, verse 5, Matthew 6, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I send to you, they have their reward. But when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, etc., etc. Don't pray with vain repetition, verse number seven. Know that your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. He knows everything about you, He knows everything in your heart. And then He says, verse number nine, let's read verse nine together. We call it the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Let's read it together. Ready? Here we go. Ready? All together. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. Stop. We pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Praise be thy name. He's the author of forgiveness. He's the author of the giver of the sacrifice and sending his son, Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. To be our sin bearer, to take our sins for us. To forgive all of our sins for us. To cover all our sins. He paid the price. No wonder we should say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then notice verse number 10. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. This is the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer sometimes. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of the Father right now. He ever lives to make an intercession for us. Satan's the constant accuser of the brethren. And the Lord says, what sins are you talking about? They have forgiven them all. But then I want you to notice, we know, we know verse 9, we memorized it. We know verse 10. We know verse 11, we have that memorized. Give us this day our daily bread. Feed us, Lord, take care of us. But verse 12, let's read that together. Ready, everybody together. Ready, here we go. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And forgive us our debts as, could we say it just like we forgive our debtors? Who's, who's, who owes you a debt? Who's wronged you? Who is it? What relative has wronged you? What mom has wronged you? What dad has wronged you? What brother has wronged you? What sister has wronged you? What friend has wronged you? What brother or sister in Christ has wronged you? With that in context, and forgive us our debts, just like we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We touched on that this morning about Thomas maybe having a bitter heart of unbelief and, and, uh, and uh, bitterness in his heart, and whereby many to be defiled, the Bible says. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We, stop, we usually stop verse 13. But the Lord is teaching us this principle of prayer. He says, you can't pray. Your prayers will only go as far as your forgiveness goes. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. He picks it up in verse 14. Notice it with me, please. For if ye, there's a condition there, there's a qualifier. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will what? Help me out. Also forgive you. Look at that again. For if ye forgive, if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will for also forgive you. Now verse 15, we can't stop at verse 14. We could take the Bible out of context if we did that. We've got to read it in context, don't we? So look at verse 15. But, but, if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Period. End of the, end of the quote. Jesus said that. Now, isn't that in conflict with the blank side of your paper? Didn't he forgive all of your trespasses? Past, the ones, all your past, all the years before, present today, and future tomorrow? How do we reconcile those two things? I use my grandkids many times in illustrations. I've, you notice I've tried to get away from that lately. I did, I did work on that on purpose. 
But you know, I've said it a hundred times now, no, 300 times from the pulpit, I love my grandkids, I love my kids. But sometimes my, you know, my kids, my three girls, I know that you find it's hard to believe, but every once in a while they would make me mad. Every once in a while they do something stupid even to this day. I know you find it hard to believe, but they, they, they do once in a while. But I love them. Sometimes I got to get away from them. Same with the grandkids. Sometimes they, they get under my skin a little bit. Lincoln, Henry Lincoln, just for the record, he loves to climb on me. He's got bony elbows and bony knees. And the older I get, the harder it is to have those bony elbows. He's just jumping, and he just, I can't, I'm telling you, it's rough. It's like, Henry, you're hurting, Grandpa. Quit pouncing on me. I'm an old man now. But I love him. But sometimes it's like, please, give me a break. Well, we see this forgiveness, and we re- how do we reconcile verses 14 and 15 with the fact that Jesus, for- God forgives us of all of our sins? He said, I will not forgive you if you don't forgive your brother. I will not forgive you if you don't forgive that relative. If you have ought against a brother or sister, I-, I have ought against you. How do you reconcile that? Well, here's the deep theological answer. Forgiveness or unforgiveness does not affect sonship, or in my case, daughtership, or in my case, grand, grandchildship. I love them all the time. They'll always be my kids. They'll always be my grandchildren. It does not yet appear, but we are right now, we are sons of God, every one of us. We can never lose our sonship, but we can lose Fellowship. Many verses that teach us truth. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, what? The Lord will not hear me. There are sins that impede. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. I want you to see this. 1 Peter chapter 3. I don't want to get off on a very delicate subject. It's always delicate every time I bring it up. It's not a surprise to me. Not a surprise at all. I, what I'm surprised about is there's so many people in church tonight here. It's amazing to me. But I'm surprised that we had so many people in church this morning. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Our churches are so fragmented, this is what I'm not surprised about. Of course our churches are fragmented. Of course we can't get along with our, we can't even get along with our family. We can't even get along with our spouse. We hate our own blood brother, our own blood sister. We can't get along with our, our plain blood. Cain killed Abel. Remember the story? Started things off. We have so much schism and division in our families. Of course we're going to have schism and division in the church. As the family goes, so goes the church. House of cards. God, if Satan destroys the family, the church is it's going to implode too. Your family gets destroyed. Your, your relationship gets destroyed because of sin, unforgiveness. It's going to destroy a lot of other people, a lot of other things around you. And you're going to lose fellowship. Look at what it says in 1 Peter chapter 3. Uh, let me get there myself here. 1 Peter chapter 3. It's delicate. I say, and I, again, I always know the, my audience here I'm talking to, and I... Uh, 
should be a dirty word. It starts with D after all. I'm talking about, I at least saw D words this morning about the word divorce. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm so glad God doesn't divorce us when we get saved. Anybody got more on your paper than 490 sins? If you're over 490, you're out of luck. Because that's how many Jesus said. Remember the story? Seven times seven. 491, you're toast. No, I'm kidding, aren't I? In an unlimited amount of times. And yet we go back to 1 Peter chapter 3. Jesus said that sonship or daughtership in this case is not affected, but fellowship is. He said to the wives in 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell according to them, or pardon me, to the husbands, that according to them to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What am I trying to say? I'm going back to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm trying to drive home a point. You think you're praying to God, and you got out against a brother or sister, you've got unforgiveness in your heart, you ain't getting past the ceiling. He hears everything you're saying. Still his son, you're still his daughter. But your fellowship, you're out of sorts. There's got to be confession and forgiveness, and the Heavenly Father comes very quickly and forgives, and fellowship is restored. It's a wonderful thing. You see, what about forgiving? What about, isn't that nice? We can choose to forgive. Isn't that sweet? You see, I think God is, he's obligated himself to do some things. He could choose to forgive us or not choose to forgive us, but he chooses every time if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He forgives every single time, no matter how many times. Oh, the doctrine of forgiveness, how sweet it is. C.S. Lewis, the great writer, of course, said, everyone thinks forgiveness is, a lovely, is, is, is lovely until they, are, they, they have someone to forgive. Or everyone thinks that forgiveness is a lovely thing until they have someone to forgive. I want to be forgiven. You want to be forgiven. It's a lovely thing. But what about when we have to forgive? Or when we, we are, are to forgive? We say, well, they never asked to be forgiven. Anybody here? No, raise your hand, please. I don't want to know. Back to the sheet that we just fill out the numbers. Anybody here before you were convinced or con told to write down the sins for today? How many of you had sins that you didn't even confess yet? The Lord forgive you about them, forgive you, give you them. Of course He has. Fellowship has been impeded, though. This idea that I'm a big man, I'm a big Christian, I choose to forgive. Isn't that nice? No. We're commanded to forgive. To whom much is given, much shall be required. You got a lot of numbers on your page. How many numbers, how many sins has that person that's, that you have ought against, how many is, is, is they committed against you in, compared to your number? 
Remember the parable of the man that was, we looked at a couple weeks ago that was forgiven after Peter asked the question, how many times do I forgive? Seven times, and the Lord said seven times seven, and the Lord gave him that long parable. He said, the man, some, you know, the certain master, 10,000 talents, you know the story. And he forgave him all his debt. And then he said, he's found a man that owed him 100 pence, one, one millionth of the amount of sin. And he wouldn't forgive. When you won't forgive somebody else's sin, we said it a couple weeks ago again, you're saying, Lord, the blood of Christ is sufficient to forgive me of all of my hundreds, and some of you put down millions of sins. But it's not enough to cleanse the sins, the, the umpteen sins that were committed against me and my family or me and my life. Your blood is not sufficient enough. You know what you're doing? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 20, you are trampling on the blood of Jesus Christ. You are saying the blood of Christ is not sufficient. And if the blood of Jesus Christ is not sufficient to forgive that person's sins, nothing is. There's no hope. Your prayers are hindered forever. Now, I don't expect you to write this down, and I've come from somewhat trying to be a little bit light and a little bit humorous a little bit at the beginning, but tonight... Who will you not forgive? I'd like you to write it down. I know you won't. It's like Thomas. Except I see the nails and the prints in his hands and thrust my hand into his side. I will, I, he, said, I, he didn't say, I cannot believe. He said, I will not believe. Who will you, not that you cannot forgive. You could if you want to. You think, you know, greater see this in you than he is in the world. If God, gave, if God is empowered you, if you've got the Holy Spirit of God, do you think that's enough ability to forgive anybody their sin that they've committed against you? Do you think that's enough power in your life to forgive? It's not that you cannot forgive or will not forgive. Pardon me. It's that you cannot forgive. You have the power to forgive. You will not forgive. You are choosing the most incredible sin Sin on top of sin. Galatians 1, or John 1, 16 talks about, and grace for grace. When you, for, when you be, be, decide to not be forgiving, you are heaping sin on top of sin. You're saying, God, I don't care how many millions of sins you're going to forgive me of, I will not forgive. And according to the Lord's prayer, and he makes it an addendum, I'll not forgive you. I'll forgive you as you forgive others. Who is it in your life that you will not forgive? You all know, here's the revelation. I'm a pastor. <laughs> I'm the man of God. <laughs> I'm above you. Look how high I am. To whom much is given, much shall be required. I, I was proud of you. I didn't write my, my list down. I already knew what I was going to do. I, I got a blank side on both sides. I'm perfect. No, I'm not. I know. But I've said it many times. It's a whole lot easier to preach this stuff than it is to live it. It's a whole lot easier to say it than to do it. 
But forgiveness is not a process. Forgiveness says, well, it's going to take me a long time to forgive that sin. You don't know how bad I got hurt. When the next time you, you sin a bad sin and you go to the Heavenly Father and you confess your sin, he says, okay, you know, you really blew it this time. I'll probably forgive you down the road. But right now, I'm just hot. I'll, in my time, I'll forgive you. That's not how God forgives. He forgives right on the spot. He forgives completely. He, he forgives with all of his heart. And next week's spotted for the next several, next few months here, I plan on preaching a couple, three more messages on the subject of forgiveness. And I gave you, and I'm going to just wet your whistle again. I took this, stole this from Dr. Bruce Hebel, give credit to him, who credit is due. He wrote down the seven protocols of forgiveness. I just want to read them to you again. Forgive as ye have been forgiven. You don't forgive, God won't forgive you. We need to have a whole message on another time on all the ramifications because of unforgiveness. All the multiple problems that happen because of non-reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, I want to preach a whole message on, he has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. If forgiveness is at the core of the gospel, then forgiveness ought to be at the core of our whole ministry, what we do. We're going to be done here in just a couple minutes. Let me give you the seven protocols of forgiveness, another message, another time. I'm going to print this out for you so you have it, so you can start to incorporate this in your life. What about forgiving? Number one, maybe you want to write this down. You probably I'll go too fast. You probably won't be able to write it all down. But thank God for forgiving you. Thank God for forgiving you. Number two, ask God, who do I need to forgive and for what? Now, by the way, I've been doing a lot of exercising here in the last, really, months. I, you know, the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Let me, above all things, who can know it? I can kind of feel like sometimes I can see your heart better than I can see my own heart. It's desperately wicked. It's deceitful. But the best I can, by God's Holy Spirit, I really... Cannot think of anybody in the whole world that I can't forgive. Now, there's some people I don't like, admittedly. I mean, Kim Jong-Yul, I, I would be guide talk. I would, I, you know, I, I got plenty of people on the, the Marty Shot, if I could, hit list. And I do mean hit list. I'm not being funny. I'd like to take them out if I could. I'd be, feel real good about that. But I honestly can't think of anybody in my life that I can't forgive. And it didn't always used to be that way. I will forgive them, but I will never trust them. It sounds good. And I got to admit, and I'm just, just being real with you. You know, I can forgive, but I know, 
I think I, I think I have some people in my life, in my orbit, in my my three score or my three score years of life that I've lived. That I think it's safe to say they don't like me. In fact, I think some of them would prefer to see some things negative happen to me. You probably have somebody like that in your life too, I suppose, maybe. But I honestly can say I forgive them. I don't, I don't want to necessarily be best friends with them per se, but I wouldn't mind being best friends with them. And I want to give you some illustrations, and I'm way over time here. We'll another message another time here. But who do you have in your life that you will not forgive? Do you have somebody in that, in your, that orbit? You got issues tonight. You got issues. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm just trying to, in fact, I'm trying to help you. Number three, seven of them. Thank God for forgiving you. Ask God who I need to forgive and for what. Number three, repent of your sin of unforgiveness. Repent of it. Call it for what it is. It's your sin of unforgiveness. Number four, forgive each offense from your heart. This is where you choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. We can't forgive, but we can choose to forgive. Forgive each offense from your heart. Several subpoints underneath that. We'll do them another time. Number five. Here's where you know whether you've really got the forgiveness issue starting to get it down. Ask God to bless them. And look forward to look for ways to bless them when possible. Love your enemies. Pray for them that despitefully use you. Love them and pray that God blesses them. Now, a little exercise, I gotta tell you, I've had some people in my life in the last several months, and I've been trying to incorporate this in my life. I've been praying for a lot of people lately that I don't normally pray for. Because when I start to get a little feelings of jealousy or envy or frustration with certain somebody, I automatically kick in, I, I try to automatically kick in, Lord, bless that person. Lord, may I be a blessing to that person. Bless them, Lord. Reward them in a good way, in a positive way. Bless them. Number six, commit to not remember. Commit to not, quote, unquote, not remember the offense when the memory comes and number seven, and this is, this is where you really start to get this idea of forgiving forward. Make pre-forgiveness a lifestyle. Some have made the choice and are making the choice, and it's a scourge. You see, bitterness is a poison that you drink hoping somebody else drinks it. Make the choice to forgive, pre-forgive. Father, right, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That relative of yours that you have issues with, that they have issues with you, don't say, hey, don't you know, call them up tonight and say, hey, I just want you to know I heard a message on forgiveness. I want you to know I forgive you of your dirty, rotten sins that you committed against me. Don't do that. Maybe call them up and say, hey, how you doing? I just wanted to say, uh, 
just wish you a happy week after Easter or just, uh, just, just say something nice. Don't even talk about what took place. Talk about going forward in days ahead about how to transact with people. But our churches are being destroyed and your life is being destroyed and everybody's life around you is being destroyed when you're filled with the bitterness and unforgiveness. It hurts and destroys. And the cancer needs to be either cut out or better yet, it needs to be cleansed. And thank God for the cleansing that's in Lord Jesus Christ. Turn, and I'm, I'm over time, I'm, I'm done here. Turn to 507 in the hymn book. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Look at the words here. If you were singing here in just a minute, dear. If the pianist could come, please. 507. These are great words to this song. I've got to research the, the, the story behind this song. I've, I've used it before, but I'll, I'll get sharper on the story. I've, and I'll tell you again about the author another time. Verse 1 says, Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. I think Thomas repented and came to his senses and he said, my Lord and my God, and he went from pounding to downing to, to shouting, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon and mount of thy redeeming love. But verse number, verse two is a great verse, but verse three I want to just Finish up, center, and on. We'll sing it here in just a minute. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily, I'm constrained to be. How many sins did he forgive you today? Let thy goodness, like a fetter, like a chain, bind my wandering heart to thee. And then the honesty bleeds through in the song from the, the writer. Prone to wander. Prone to think about how I've been wronged. Prone to, I'm done with that person, I'll never forgive that person as long as I live. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Do you feel the spirit of the Lord working in your heart? Oh, you should shudder if you ever get to the point where you don't feel that, that Holy Spirit working in your heart any longer. Maybe your heart is hard to turn to a heart of stone. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. A bitter heart of unbelief and a bitter heart of unforgiveness will definitely leave you, leave you deciding to leave the God you love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd help your people tonight. Lord, I've not tried to hurt anybody tonight. If it came across that way in any way, Lord, Lord, erase it from their memories. Lord, forgive us of all of our sins. We're great debtors. Some of us kind of think that Paul was wrong, that he wasn't the chief of sinners, but that I am the chief of sinners. Too much is given, much shall be required. He that's been forgiven must forgive. 
Lord, I pray that you'd bless in these moments of invitation, we pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to do a hand raising tonight. I've never been good at giving invitations. But if I were to give a hand raising invitation, here would be what it would be tonight. How many have somebody in your heart and life that you have an issue with forgiving tonight? I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're honest, I think there'd be some hands that would come up. I can't forgive them, preacher. You don't know what they did to me. God knows. Who sinned worse against who? Did they sin worse against you or did you say, have you sinned worse against him? And yet he forgives you. What a God we have. To whom much is given, much shall be required. Restored fellowship. Lord, I pray you bless in these moments of invitation tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand, I've gone a little over time tonight here. Let's sing all three verses here as we stand together. Let's sing as a high praise.